Hello, and welcome to the Just Automated podcast. My name is Callum Donnelly, the host of the Just Automated podcast, a podcast brought to you by Waylay. Uh, in this podcast, we usually talk about many, many different things, mostly centered around hyper-automation, automation in the, in the markets. And Waylay is a horizontal platform that services many different markets. One of those markets that we're going to be focusing on today is really around telco. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jag Siva, who is our EVP of Global Sales, and I guess it's great to have you on the podcast. It's your first time, so welcome. Thanks, Callum. Happy to be here. So, Jack, uh, maybe uh, to give the, our listeners a little bit of a flavor of who you are, maybe you could give a little bit of background on yourself and what you're doing at Waylay. Sure. I've been um, in the software business for about uh, 25 years, uh, years now, primarily in the telecom space. Uh, work for several large and small companies, you know, startups like Synthesis and Kramer, um, larger companies like Amdocs, Ericsson, and Sienna as well. Uh, been through the OSS BSS journey with several customers globally, uh, seen what works, what has not worked, uh, the <laughs> challenges, and of course, all the growing pains of, of, of being in this business. So uh, happy to talk about it. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, also, just on this note around the, the telecom space and what we're talking about, uh, next week, we're actually going to be going to a telecom show, uh, the TM Forum Digital Transformation World. So Wele is going to be there. Uh, Jag is going to be there as well. Uh, we're going to be at booth 312. For anyone who's listening and is interested in meeting us, please do stop by the booth, say hello. We're a lovely team. Uh, who's going to be there uh, from, from the Wele side of things? As I said, Jag is going to be there. Uh, Leonard, our CEO, is going to be there. Uh, Mihai, our CTO for EMEA, is going to be there. And also Adriana Falco. Uh, our chief marketing officer is also going to be there. And there might potentially be a couple of guest appearances from some of the other Waylay teams. So please do stop by and uh, say hello to us if you're going to be at DTW. Uh, we're really, really looking forward to it. Uh, first off, I suppose we'll kick off the, the podcast. And one thing that's uh, going to be focusing on is uh, you recently did a white paper, Jag. And um, within that white paper, I mean, it was titled what happened to digital transformation in the in the telecom in the telecommunications industry and uh i just wanted to just um pick up on something that that you mentioned kind of at the very very start of things and that was uh I'm just going to quote you kind of from the, the white paper and i would encourage other the, our listeners to to check it out it's a great paper and it says through the decades we have seen the urgency and the need for transformation transformation to mitigate legacy data and systems transformation to support new technologies, transformation to reduce costs and improve operations, transformation to introduce operational agility, better customer experience, and so on. But what has happened to all these initiatives? And I think you really, really set, set the stage nicely here. I mean, it all sounds really, really brilliant. All of these transformation projects that are set out to achieve objectives to basically make the businesses more, more agile, more lean, more effective, more customer service focused, better operationally. But I mean, can you discuss this in a little bit more detail? I mean, what's your, you know, what's your view of what's happened over the last few years? Yeah, and, and well, it's, it's it's sort of an understatement to say a few years because this is <laughs> thirty plus years, right? So, from the time you know deregulation, a uh, time of deregulation, you know, we've been looking at how do we help carriers and how do carriers operate faster, more efficiently, uh, be more agile, all of those good things. And to all agile extent, we've got to remember that. Uh, a lot of this came from from restrictions and regulations and, and constraints uh, that were inherent to the business, right? Um, so when we look now at uh, you know a lot of transformation pro programs, you know the, the, the telco 
that the typical telco goes out and, and, and specs out a very complex, very large, very robust, very reliable, always available system. And that takes time. Uh, time in terms of getting all your stakeholders together, time in terms of gathering requirements, building the system, going through the multiple phases of testing, and, and finally cutting that over into production. And, um, you know, there was a point in time when that worked very well, um, when, you know, the pace of change was sort of congruent with that that sort of approach. Um, but over the years, that's changed a lot as well, because now we're, we're looking at a change velocity that 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 model doesn't support anymore, right? You just can't run an, a, a, a project for over two or three years uh, because the world will have changed by the time you're ready to ready to roll that into production, right? Uh, that's one thing. Secondly, you know, if you look 30, 40 years ago, you might have had a, a basic telephone service, a landline service, and, and, and maybe some, some, some sort of television service from your carrier. But that's fundamentally changed as well. We've got numerous services and the, and the consumer's need to interact with the operator on the services is much different. I mean, again, in the past, you might have called your your, your carrier once every few years when whenever you moved, or you wanted to change, change some basic feature like voicemail or caller ID. But now that that's different, you know, with all the kind of all the services we we procure from from our carriers, and the interdependencies between, you know, the multiple sort of providers that that come together to build a service that that is ultimately delivered to the consumer, uh, there's a lot of change. So these projects now. You know, you need to be in the sort of three, six month window uh, to make them count. Uh, there's also the sort of the real commercial pressure of, of showing business benefits quarter on quarter. Uh, you know, nobody's willing to wait for two or three years to, to see the outcome and, and the business benefits of a, of a large project. Um, and, and then I guess lastly as well, you know, the, the main sort of as much as there's been there's been interest in, and drive for, towards transformation, I think most people expect the funding for those sort of projects to come from OPEX reduction, uh, from the savings of that project. So you're stuck in this sort of chicken and egg situation where you say, okay, look, I need X millions of dollars to, to kick this off, but until I do this, I won't have that savings. So they, you know, you're always working on this sort of promise of, of future savings. And over the decades, that's probably declined. Uh, the, the appetite uh, for those sort of large-scale projects has declined. And then the tendency, as, as I said in my, in my paper, is, is, is to overscope things, right? You, you, you kind of have this, this attitude of it's an all or nothing world. Uh, so either I automate everything or I automate, you know, I'm going to stick with what I have. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and, and from a vertical sense, you know, modernization has meant going in and, and modernizing all the, the systems that have been there for decades. Uh, yeah. You know, from 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 the days of regulation, which tends to be quite cost prohibitive. So yeah. I think the approach that that we're seeing and, and what we're also um, sort of embracing is to say, look, some of these systems will will be in place until the networks they were originally designed to support uh, end of life. Uh, meaning that you know, there's no point trying to modernize all these all this the, the mountains of data and inventory information, for example, that's out there. Uh, because it will go away sometime soon, just not today. Uh, yeah. So, you know, why go through the, the, the cost and the business risk of trying to modernize that? Uh, why not, you know, find other more tactical ways of, of utilizing that data? So, for example, you know, if you've got an old TDM network or you've got older uh, um, mainframe sort of based databases, uh, data stores, why not enca encapsulate and federate and broker 
uh, services and transactions across them, uh, find more creative ways of doing it. Uh, I think one of the things that sort of holds us back right now is this notion again of, of big bang, right? I want to try and get all my scope in one project. Uh, I think if you look at the sort of, you know, the I don't want to say new co new companies, but certainly newer compared to carriers, you know, like the the the, the Googles of the world, they would, um, you know, that that sort of changes in their DNA. Um, yeah, is this right? what you're talking about in your article where you you use the well, one thing I picked out of was this. Uh, this idea of scope creep is our enemy. Um, yeah. Is this what you're kind of saying the around the, you know, you, you start a project, you, you have a fixed scope. I mean, then there's temptation, there's general innovation process, and you keep on adding additional features, additional services, device devices, which all sounds great, but in reality, it adds to the overall complexity of a project into the long run, and you know, leads to maybe a degradation of the of the end product or a result of, you know over-enthusiasm or complexity that are set up very well to deal with that. And then there's certain companies that might struggle a little bit, is it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what happens, I think, is, you know, again, you're talking about systems that have been in place for decades. But even if a system is in place for, say, six, seven years, it was built with a particular intent. Um, and over over the, the, the past six, seven years in that case, you know, Changes been made to that system. Uh, a lot of times, you know, some of them are band-aids. Some of them might, might have been well thought out upgrades. Uh, so when we go into modernize that platform today, a, a typical approach might be: look, I want to get all that functionality captured, right? Mm -hmm. But you're still looking at it through the functionality of what that system was designed to do six or seven years ago. I think the challenge is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So now, when you look at it under a modern lens of, you know, what's available today and what is possible today, you know, you might get all your requirements down on paper, you start building. And as your user community, as your technical community start understanding what is the sort of the, the realm of possibilities, the scope starts changing as well, right? Yeah, I might have done it that way six or seven years ago, but why would I continue to do it that way now? So what you find is that the, the you know scope creep and scope change through these projects, because they're sort of, sort of initially being started off as I want to modernize and, and let's call it mechanize, something that I was, I was doing previously on an older system or manually, I want to put it on a new system, but without the consideration of all the other possibilities um, that are available to you today. So I think scope creep tends to be a, a major factor in a lot of the, the failures in projects. Mm -hmm. uh, change orders, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these projects are led by large SIs as well. Um, so this is the sort of bread and butter stuff, right? So um, I think the, 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 the costs run away pretty quickly. And also, I mean, you know, when you... A lot of these projects involve multiple parties. You know, the customer, the SI, the, all the, the number of vendors that the, the, that, are, that you're dependent on. And so, when you've got large teams sitting around with with cross dependencies, um, you can you can burn through budget very quickly, right? So, I think yeah. that's one of the dangers of scope creep is is, is not knowing uh, clearly upfront what you want. And I, I, so, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't change scope, uh, but what I'm suggesting is maybe you should bite off smaller chunks of scope. So even if you have scope creep or scope change, it's confined yeah. to a quarter or two quarters worth of, of, of deliverables versus, you know, deliverables around a two-year project. Yeah, and I guess in a sense, if you if you limit your scope a little bit, you're essentially de-risking the project in the long run because you're basically trial and testing to see is this part of the brief essentially functioning, working, and then you can essentially move and iterate and basically add on those different features once you've got your core built out and kind of delivered. Yeah, absolutely. So look, again, like I said, people don't know what they don't know, right? So yeah. 
few gather requirements and then go away for 12 months to go and build them out. Finally, materialize, you know, those use cases materialize in a, in a, in a GUI or some sort of customer uh, viewable framework. And you show it to your user base and they go, whoa, but, you know, first of all, you got that wrong because you just didn't quite understand what I said. And secondly, I don't do it that way anymore. <laughs> you talked to me a year ago, right? <laughs> so I think yeah. keep, keeping scope nice and tight uh, in deliverable packages that show, you know, and, and look, I'm not saying scope needs to be minimized to a level where it doesn't add business value. At the end of the day, every parcel of scope or package of scope still has to add business value. But, but how do you break it down to that level where you've got, you know, critical mass and business value, but you're de-risking the project by doing it in smaller chunks? Gotcha. And I suppose you you touched on it earlier, but I want to move on to the next side of things. You mentioned that, and as I said, you you did mention some of the legacy stuff, but you you mentioned leverage your legacy. And I suppose leverage in your legacy, I mean, this is an interesting term. I mean, for me, often when I think of legacy, it can also be construed as a, you know, a negative word, maybe as an outsider because I'm not in the industry. And, you know, you know, because I often view these as these archaic systems that have been there for decades. But I mean, in a telco context, what do you mean by leverage your, your legacy? I mean, all of this stuff is built, it serves a purpose. It means you don't have to rip it out, essentially. You can basically build on top of or, you know, build new kind of use cases. Or Is that, is that essentially what, what you're going yeah, for? So, look, I think my point there is technology for the sake of technology is always a dangerous prospect, right? the proposition. So, you know, I think a lot of times when customers, uh, carriers start transformation programs, we go back to this whole notion of, I want to build the most robust, I want to build it ground up, I want to be the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, capable system. Um, But at the end of the day, any of these systems are serving a business purpose. Um, You know, they're touching customers, they're touching networks, uh, they're they're generating revenue. So, if it doesn't directly relate to that, then then there really isn't any sort of other reason uh, to, 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 to change it. Uh, so particularly when you look at systems that have been in place for so long and that are so well entrenched in the operations of a carrier, uh, modernizing is one thing, but then adoption of that, you know, rolling that into production, getting your user base onto it is a whole other uh, complex activity. So what we're, what we're sort of saying there is if a system has, if you, if you have a dependency on a legacy system, you know, one alternative is to modernize, forklift it out, modernize it. Uh, but we know that could be cost prohibitive and it introduces a lot of business risk. So what are the other po- op- options we have on the table, right? Another option is we can federate it. We can imp- encapsulate it with a modern API. Uh, we can broker, it, broker a service or a transaction across multiple you know, modern and or next gen and, and legacy platforms. Uh, with, with, with the understanding that you know, these systems won't be there forever. But we've been, you know, saying they won't be there forever for quite some time now. But mm-hmm. they're still there, and and so my um, premise would be that these systems really only go away when the legacy networks that they support go away. Okay. But there's no point going to modernize. So if we can use um, those systems in 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 with, you know, various tactical sort of approaches uh, that allow us to get to that data, it'll be a lot cheaper and be a lot faster. Uh, so we again, we don't need to have this sort of a purist view of modern of, of, of transformation, right? Uh, as long as we can get what we need to perform a task at the top level uh, or run a process or automate a process at the top level, then that's all we need. Okay. Okay. And I mean, 
just very, very briefly, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the term federated. I mean, maybe for, for listeners who aren't maybe au fait with, uh, with, with what you mean, and certainly for me, I'd be interested in hearing, what, what do you mean by federated? So we have, you know, again, uh, the, the, the tel telco is, a, is, a, is an evolving living entity. And so, you know, over the years, uh, they've built multiple networks, multiple systems. And, and what, you know, we see increasingly, and, and, and this is not new, when I say increasingly over the last 30 years, is the interdependencies and, 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 and um, uh, you know, the services that go across multiple networks, which means they also go across multiple systems. But these systems tended to be built in, 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 in a sort of siloed approach. So being able to, when I say federate, is being able to, whether it's systems or data stores, being able to put, you know, either a common API or a brokering layer where an upstream system that requires data from these multiple networks and their supporting infrastructure can still get that data in a seamless way as though it was talking to a next-gen platform, but it, 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 it not necessarily be, doesn't necessarily have to be a next-gen platform because we've built a federated API or an infrastructure across those so that your modern ordering system or your self-service portal, whatever the case might be, is accessing these systems in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that's very flexible for them. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, very, very interesting. I mean, I guess that's a nice segue into Waylay and transformation and how Waylay can help. I mean, how how can Waylay help telcos, CSBs in achieving these these transformation goals? Is it kind of around what you've just been discussing there? Yeah, I, look, I think Waylay by, by its nature, it's sort of a, uh, you know, fosters things like uh, citizen developer and democratize data across your user base, et cetera. Um, and the whole idea is, again, you know, when you come to change and, and change velocity, uh, the closer you can push capability uh, towards your end users, your power users, the various personas that in interact with your infrastructure, the easier it is. First of all, you'll get it more accurate in terms of their business need versus what the, the system capability is. Secondly, the just the cycle time. Right. So, for example, let's say um, I'm going to use a very rudimentary example. You know, changing the the, the look and feel of a GUI. Uh, we know that giving that access to an end user simplifies a lot of things for us. Hey, I want the button at the top left corner versus the top right corner. Right. Let the user do that. Um, now, that's a, that's a very rudimentary example. But you know, with Waylay, we have we can do far more complex things in a low code, no code um, graphical environment where you can. Uh, dynamically change rules and, and, and conditions and outcomes uh, linked to various other data sources, concatenate data, pull together information in, in ways that uh, even if they were possible in the past, they were certainly not possible at the speed with, with which and ease with which uh, we can do it. So I think that's, that's an element that brings um, sort of a, midi a, a critical mitigating uh, capability for scope yeah. Because what you're doing then is you're saying, okay, a lot of the stuff at the peripheries, I'm going to push it out. To my to my user community, right? Uh, that's one approach. So because every small change order doesn't become a, a, a big um, you know, change with the regression tests and UATs and all of that to promote into production. Yeah. And so that's fundamentally, I think it's 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 a different approach. That's one. Uh, number two, I think is is Waylay has very much of a top down view from from customer to service to process. Um, so we're not looking at it uh, from the sort of ground up. Let's modernize and and, and update everything. Uh, it's I have a service I need to, to do uh, or to perform. And what, what kind of data, what kind of functions do I need to be able to, to do to, to fulfill that? Uh, and we will go and then get that information from wherever 
that information resides in the organization. And then once it's done with it, we will update the appropriate um, uh, you know, systems that, 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 that need to be updated on what happened and what the outcome of that was. So again, so it's a different, different approach. I think um, now there are other players now sort of going down this road, but certainly the, the, the big internet guys have been you know, doing this for a long time. I mean, if you look at even simple concepts like the five nines reliability that uh, carriers aspire to, you know, as, as, as we add more and more uh, layers in the network, devices in the network and complexity in the network, I think the one thing that we can be assured of is that things will fail. Yeah. Right? So rather than spend, um, you know, the amount of time and money it takes to squeeze out that last bit of the last nine there, um, why not say, look, I know it'll fail and how do I recover as quickly as possible? How do I make my network or my systems resilient and, 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 and fail over proof? Um, and, and be prepared for that failure happening, right? Um, so so the, in that context, I think, you know, we approach it very differently. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're able, to, we're able to provide an infrastructure for, a, for a, particularly an incumbent carrier that allows them to be more agile and behave in a way where change is in the DNA is embraced and it changes, you know, every day. It's, it's part, of, part of our day-to-day -day life, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a fundamentally different approach from your typical OSS BSS transformation program. Absolutely. I mean, I think it goes back to, I mean, what you just discussed. I mean, it, it really hits home within your white paper. You, you have a section by the name are entitled um, keep your experts and customers close. And I mean, I think with the waylay, it does allow those experts to essentially get in there, but those subject matter experts to tweak, do things on a self-service level, but also at the end of the day, that really, really does positively impact the outcomes for, for customers to have that service agility to deliver to those customers when they need it, you know, in pretty rapid time. So a bit of a difference. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, at, at its heart, any transformation program, um, you know, say taking OSS, for example, is, you know, you're looking at automating or simplifying processes around fulfillment, planning, assurance, et cetera. And what that entails is going through your domain experts, your network engineers, um, your health help desk agents, and all the various people involved in, in delivering and maintaining the life cycle of a service, uh, going through and, and sort of brain draining them in terms of requirements. And, and, and then going back to an IT shop, building that out and going through all the various quality gates and, and, and getting them to production, right? So, and then that's a, you know, point A to point Z is, is a relatively long time, uh, at least in sort of modern terms. So we, you know, we would typically take those requirements into an IT shop and, and develop into a system that would then go through the normal process of, of multiple stages testing and, and production level testing, non-functionals, and eventually make it into production. Um, what we're saying here is, why not thin out that middle IT layer, right? Because if what you're looking at doing is really automating that, that sort of knowledge base of your key domain experts um, and your customers, why not let them be able to execute, you know, their sort of intellectual property on, on the system themselves? And of course, you're going to have some guidelines and standards and governance and all of those good things around it. Um, but at the end of the day, there is much less room for things being lost in translation, right? Uh, going from a domain expert all the way to an IT developer and then back up to this domain expert who's potentially the user as well. Uh, yep. So... It's it's an, it's 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 a, it's a way of um, really simplifying the the, the layers. Um, let the people that know it actually have the capability to implement it, 
right? And yep. and then and then nothing is saying you can't have standards and 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 guidelines and criteria uh, around it. Uh, yep. You absolutely have to. But uh, well, what I'm saying is, you know, the person that implements something has a pretty in-depth knowledge of what the outcome needs to be. Yeah, simplify the process and supercharge their capabilities. You know, absolutely. That's yeah. how I see it. I mean, Jaga, thanks very, very much for, for taking the time. It was a fascinating discussion. I learned an awful lot, and I really, really hope that the, our listeners will have got an awful lot of value and knowledge out of that because, you know, there's an awful lot of value there from what you just spoke about. And I think uh, for anyone who is listening out there, um, we will be at DTW next week, and I would encourage uh, people to pop by uh, have a chat with Jag, Mihai, Leonard, Adriana, and maybe some other additional Waylay uh, team members who, who turn up at the event uh, would really, really encourage it. Um, thank you very much, Jag. Well, thanks, Callum. That was uh, that was uh, enjoyable, and um, I look forward to meeting um, any of our customers or potential customers at DTW. Yeah, definitely have a listen to our podcast and read uh, Jag's white paper. It's a uh, it's it's really really good. Uh, so thank you very much for everyone listening. Remember, this podcast comes out. Uh, weekly uh, at Wayley, and thanks very much for listening. Thank you.